Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya O Emperor, now I am separated from my friend and dear most well-wisher, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. And therefore my heart appears to be void of everything. In his absence, I have been defeated by a number of infidel cowherd men while I was guarding the bodies of all the wives of Krishna. I have the very same Gandiba bow, the same arrows, the same chariot drawn by the same horses, and I use them as the same Arjuna to whom all the kings offer their due respects. But in the absence of Lord Krishna, all of them at a moment's notice have become null and void. It is just exactly like offering clarified butter on ashes, accumulating money with a magic wand, or sowing seeds on barren land. O King, since you have asked me about our friends and relatives in the city of Dwarka, I will inform you that all of them were cursed by the Brahmins, and as a result, they all became intoxicated with my wine made of putrefied rice and fought amongst themselves with sticks, not even recognizing one another. Now all but four or five of them are dead and gone. Factually, this is all due to the supreme will of the Lord, the personality of Godhead. Sometimes people kill one another and at other times they protect one another. O King, as in the ocean the bigger and stronger aquatics swallow up the smaller and weaker ones, so also the Supreme Personality of Godhead to lighten the burden of the earth has engaged a stronger Yadu to kill the weaker the bigger yadu to kill the smaller. Now I am attracted to those instructions imparted to me by the Personality of Godhead. 
because they are impregnated with instructions for relieving the burning heart in all circumstances of time and space. In this chapter from the Srimad Bhagavatam, we are reading of the beautiful narration which describes Arjuna and his return to Hastinapur after a long-awaited absence. Maharaj Yudhisthira, he sent Arjuna to Dwarka to find out and receive news of the welfare of Lord Sri Krishna, the Lord of their life, as well as his glorious associates and family members, the Jadus. And while they were waiting and waiting, Yudhisthira and Bhima began to see in the atmosphere so many inauspicious signs. <coughs> Such signs could not be present on earth as long as Lord Sri Krishna was traversing this world with his lotus feet. So in their heart of hearts they understood that Krishna must have left. It is said, Krishna Surya Maya, Maya Hoya Andhakar, Yahan Krishna Tahanai Maya Radhikar. That Krishna is like the sun, ignorance, darkness, cannot exist in the presence of the Supreme God. Therefore, as long as Lord Sri Krishna was present on this earth, the influences of Kali Yuga could not enter. But when Maharaj Yudhisthira and Bhima saw what was taking place all around in the atmosphere, in their heart of hearts they knew that Krishna had left. But because of their intense love for him, they were not willing to admit it with their minds, with their intelligence. <coughs> Therefore, they were simply awaiting Arjuna's arrival. And when Arjuna came, his eyes were filled with tears. He was weak, he was thin, his limbs were pale, his hair was disheveled. They had never seen him in a situation like this ever before. And they began to inquire from Arjuna, is it that you could not protect someone that took shelter of you? Is it that you did not give in charity to a Brahmin or to a beggar when they came before you? For what reason do you look in such a state of lamentation? Arjuna explained to them that my friend, my Lord, the supreme object of all my love and affection, Lord Sri Krishna, has left this earthly plane for his eternal abode, the supreme Vaikuntha planet of Goloka Vrindava. And he was explaining that since Krishna has left 
all of my great powers have gone along with him. He began to glorify Krishna in so many ways. Hmm. He explains how Krishna, throughout our lives, he made everything wonderful possible. He explains that I have just lost him whose separation for a moment would render all the universes unfavorable and void, like bodies without life. And then Arjuna begins to explain that it is only by his merciful strength that I was able to vanquish all the princes at the Swayamvara ceremony of Draupadi. Draupadi was the king of King Drupad, the daughter of King Drupad. And he performed a ceremony, Swayamvara, where all great kings and princes would compete to see who would be the groom or the husband. But he designed it in such a way that only two people in all the world could accomplish this feat. He took a fish and placed it high in the ceiling and put a, and put a wheel in front of it. And the person had to look at a little pot of water on the floor and keeping his glance downward, huh? he had to point his arrow up and pierce the eye of the fish. Arjuna was fit, but so was Karna. But Draupadi, didn't, Draupadi did not want to marry Karna. So she told her brother, Tristajumna, that you tell this Karna that I only want to marry a Kshatriya. And because he is the son of a carpenter, I consider him a Shudra. Therefore, he cannot take part. So Krishna is explaining, I'm sorry, Arjuna is explaining that it is only by the causeless mercy of Lord Sri Krishna huh, that I was able to do this. And then, because Karna and all others were so angry with me, they all attacked me to fight. How was I able to defeat them all? It was only by the kindness of Sri Krishna that this was done. And then he explains the time in the forest of Kandava. There was a great fire and there was a demon of the name Maya Dhanava who was burning in that fire. And that demon came to Arjuna and sought shelter. And Arjuna conquered the fire. And Maya Dhanava was so pleased. Although he was a demon, he was very, very powerful in the mystic arts. And he asked Arjuna, let me give you any benediction you desire. But Arjuna was so selfless, I do not desire any benedictions. So Mayadhanava 
seeing the selfless spirit of devotion of Arjuna to all living beings in danger, he built a beautiful, beautiful assembly house for Yudhisthira. And he is the one that gave Bhima the club. Arjuna was explaining here, how is it possible that I have done such a great thing? It was not me. It was the power and strength of Sri Govinda, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, only that this has taken place. And then he explains how his brother, Bhima, he was able to kill Jarasandha, who had the strength of 10,000 elephants. In the Mahabharata, it tells the story. There was a king. He had no children. He had two queens, but none of them would give him any son. So he was thinking that his whole kingdom was utterly useless. So with his wives, he renounced the kingdom and went to the forest to live as ascetics. But there they met a rishi, a great sadhu, who gave them the benediction that they would have a son. And he gave the two queens each a mango to eat. And after eating the mango, they both became pregnant. And the king was so happy. His life cherished desire was about to be fulfilled. He was going to have a son. And it came time to give birth. And both of the queens gave birth to half of a son. One half was born to one, the other half was born to the other. So what is the use? So they threw the two halves in the forest and went. And there was a demoness. Her name was Jara. And she happened to find these two halves of a child. So by her mystic power, she put the two halves together and brought it to life. And she brought it back to the king. She became very attached and affectionate to this boy. And the king wanted, can I give you some reward? Now I have a son. She said, the only reward is you should name him after me. So he was named Jarasandha, which means one who is put together by the demon, the demoness Jara. And this Jarasandha was so powerful. He was very, very dear friends with Kamsa. In fact, he was intimately related with Kamsa. I believe his daughters married Kamsa. And when Kamsa was killed by Krishna, and his daughters came back and told father, he became very angry, and he attacked Mathura. And outside Mathura, in one of the 12 forests of Vrindavan, today it is called Lohavan, at that place, Jarasandha attacked Sri Krishna 18 times and Krishna defeated him all 18 times. But he never killed him. So when it was time for the Rajasuya sacrifice, King Yudhisthira sent his envoys, his messengers, 
You cannot perform a Rajasuya sacrifice unless you are a king who every other king on earth accepts superior. Jarasandha would not. So Bhima, Arjuna and Krishna disguise themselves as Brahmins to beg from Jarasandha. He was a Kshatriya, he was a king of the Magda province, which is today in Bihar. Ah, you are Brahmins, what can I give you? Ah, you are giving us something? We want to fight with you. This is Krishna, Arjuna, I am Bhima. We want to fight. Ah, you want to fight? I'm not going to fight with Krishna. Krishna ran away from me in battle. He's a coward. And what to speak of this Arjuna? He's younger than me. He doesn't equal to me in strength. Bhima, I'll fight. He's equal to me. So they fought for days and days and days and days, and no one could defeat the other. And then Krishna told Bhima a secret. Do you know how he was born? He was born in two halves, and Jara sewed him together. So if you, there's only one way to kill him, you have to tear him a half again. Tomorrow you should do like this. So as they were fighting, it was such a, a very violent fight, Bhima forgot. So the fighting was going on and on, and Krishna took a blade of grass right in front of Bhima and went like this. And then Bhima understood, ah, this is the process. So then he took Jarasandha by the two legs and went, and he was, again, in half. So Arjuna here, he is remembering, ah, it is only by the mercy of Lord Sri Krishna that this was done. Jarasandha was such a demonous person, demoniac, that he was a devotee of Lord Shankar, Mahabhairava, a form of Shiva. And what he would do is after he would conquer kings, he would imprison them, and then he would make human sacrifices before the Murti and kill them all. So after Bhima killed all the great kings who were in prison awaiting to be human sacrifices, they all came and took shelter of Lord Sri Krishna. And then Arjuna is explaining huh, that my dear wife Draupadi, when she was in the assembly house of the Kurus and Dushasana and the order of Duryodhana, came to tear off her sari, strip her naked, and steal away her chastity in the face of so many great men, a fate worse than death, with no one to turn to, with no other alternative for safety. She raised her arms and cried out, Hey Krishna, hey Govinda. And at that time, that Lord, that lover of my life, he appeared as an abundant sari, which never ended, and thus saved our dear beloved wife from utter disgrace. And during our exile, Maharaj Yudhisthira, do you remember when Duryodhana sent Duravas Muni while we were living in Kamyavan 
which is a part of Brajadham, Vrindavan. During that time, near Bhimal Kund, Draupadi was cooking for us with her very special pot that would feed any amount of people until she ate. Then it became ordinary. So Durvasmuni came with thousands and thousands of disciples after Draupadi had finished. And his intention was that if they don't feed me sumptuously, I'm a great sadhu, these are my disciples. If he doesn't follow, serve all of us, this Maharaj Yudhisthira, I will curse him. So Maharaj Yudhisthira did not know, oh, why don't you go take bath in Jamuna? And by the time you get back, we'll have some prasad prepared for you. They were, ah, you better. They went to Jamuna. Yudhisthira, Arjuna, Nakula, Sahadev, Bhima. They were great warriors, but before a Brahmin like Durvas, they were very afraid. What are we to do? We will be cursed. They didn't know what to do. Draupadi, do something. I already ate. I can't cook so much for 60,000 people. So in this way, Yudhisthira, Dharma personified. Arjuna, the great wielder of the Gandiva bow. Bhima, more powerful than 10,000 elephants. Nakul and Sahadev, who were also great Maharati warriors. In this predicament, all they could do is turn to their wife, Draupadi, and say, please do something to save us. So what did she do? She started to pray to Krishna, please Krishna, only you can save us. You saved me when they were stripping me naked. You can save us in any situation. You are the Lord of our life, as you like. Just while she was praying like this, by chance, Krishna came to their door. There is no chance. Everything happens by the will of God. And when he came to the door, he said, Draupadi, Haribo. I'm very hungry. Please give me some prasad. And she said, oh my God, now I'm really committing offense. First, I don't have anything for Dravas Muni. Now my Lord Sri Krishna has come and I have nothing. She began to cry. Krishna, I have nothing to offer you. Nothing? She said, nothing. Not even anything? Not even a morsel? She said, nothing. She said, bring me the pot. The pot? What kind of way is this to greet a distinguished guest? So she brought the cooking pot and Krishna found one little particle of prasad in the bottom and he ate it. He said, thank you very much. Now that is enough to satisfy the entire universe. And it is said in the Bhagavatam that if you water the root of the tree, the whole tree is nourished. Aham sarvasya prabhavo matta sarvam bhavartate. Bhagavatam begins by explaining, I offer my obeisances to Vasudev. 
Krishna, who is Janmadhyasyagata, from whom everything emanates, who is the cause of all causes, who is the root of the tree of all existence. So by that one morsel of food, Krishna was satisfied. Everyone became satisfied. It is explained throughout the universe, everyone felt like they had just overeaten. Even Brahma, Shiva, Indra, Vayu, Vivaswan, they couldn't figure out, my God, I just ate such a sumptuous feast and I didn't even eat today. I feel... And all the great sages and Brahmins, they were like, ah, very nice. And Duravas Muni and his 60,000 disciples, even the birds and the bees and the, and the animals, they were all, ah, very nice. Everything was filled with prasad. And Duravas Muni, he was so full, he looked at his disciples, and they were thinking, my God, Yudhisthira is such a great king. You know what type of feast he's probably cooking for us? And his wife, Draupadi, my God, it's probably such a wonderful, opulent feast. And we'll commit an offense if we don't eat it. And we're so full, we cannot even take one particle of prasad more. And Yudhisthira will become very angry if we do not take his prasad. So better that we just very quietly, secretly go away. At that time, Krishna said to Bhima, why don't you call Durvasmuni? He's taking a long time at Jamuna. Bring him here. <laughs> Tell him the prasad is ready. And Bhima went to Jamuna. And he started calling, Durvasmuni ji, Maharaj, prasad is ready. Come, we're waiting for you. And Durvas Muni, he saw Bhima coming, he said to his disciples, let's get out of here. If we don't honor Yudhisthira's prasad, Bhima might start killing us with his club. So they all ran away. Arjuna was remembering how in every situation Krishna would save us. And then he describes the time when Lord Shiva himself while, while Arjuna was in the forest, huh, Lord Shiva disguised himself and challenged Arjuna to battle. And by the grace of Sri Krishna, Arjuna fought with such incredible strength and devotion that Lord Shiva was so pleased that he bestowed all benedictions upon Arjuna. And then he explains how he, Arjuna, he went as a guest of his father Indradeva in the heavenly planets. Ah, and there he killed the demon of the name Nivata Kavacha, who was very, very powerful by the grace of Sri Krishna. And then he begins to remember the battlefield of Kurukshetra. He explains that the battlefield of Kurukshetra was compared to an ocean. And the Kauravas, the great warriors, they were like so many whales, Timangila fish, crocodiles, sharks in this great ocean. They were insurmountable. But by the grace of Krishna, 
even such great powerful warriors as Bhishma, Karna, Drona, Shalya, they were all defeated. Great generals like Bhishma, Drona, Kara, Karna, Bhudishrava, Susharma, Salya, Jayadrat, Bahilika, all directed their invincible weapons against me. But by Lord Krishna's grace, they could not even touch a hair on my head. Similarly, Arjuna says, Prahlad Maharaj, the supreme devotee of Lord Nrsinghadev was unaffected by the weapons of the demons used against him. Arjuna explains how although Krishna has his friend, protector, and the Lord of his life, glorified Arjuna in so many inconceivable ways and protect him from the most uncrossable dangers. Yet he was so kind that he behaved with me just like a friend. We would sit together. We would eat together. Sometimes we would sleep together. We would joke together. Sometimes this same Krishna, who is the Lord of the universe, Jagat Purusha, he would, huh, he would become my charioteer and take orders from me. Maharaj Yudhisthira, he would become your messenger and deliver your messages to the Kurus, to Dhritarashtra and to others. How kind and loving the supreme God of all gods agrees to become the servant, the friend, subordinate to the love of his devotee. But now that he has left this world, this world is like a dreary void. And I have nothing. Wherever I look, it is deserted. There's no life anywhere without Krishna. And he explains that after Krishna left, I am the same Arjuna who defeated the greatest warriors in all of history on that battlefield. This is the same Gandiba bow that has won honor everywhere on earth and up to the highest of the heavenly planets. And after Krishna left, I was entrusted with his queens to protect. And a band of infidel cowherd men came to attack them. And with all my strength and honor and the great Gandiba bow, I went to defend these insignificant dacoits, and they defeated me. I could not withstand them, and they took the queens. 
In fact, it is all Krishna's power. We are not the doers. Arjuna wants to point out that whoever we are, we should never be proud of what we have borrowed from another. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, all strength, all power, all beauty, all knowledge, all wealth, all renunciation, all fame, all the opulences that people are proud of, all of the assets that we have to accomplish things in this world, they are all the property of Krishna. And we are simply, at the most, borrowing them for some time. Krishna says, I am the strength of the strong. I am the intelligence of the intelligent. Krishna is everything. He is the source of everything. To recognize this is Krishna conscious. To forget this is maya or ignorance. What is the difference between one who is grossly entangled in illusion and a wise man, a self-realized soul? Simply that a devotee of the Lord recognizes that everything I am and everything I am doing and all the resources I have are the gifts of God. And in every situation such a person is grateful to Lord Sri Krishna. Never wants to selfishly call anything his own or use anything in an exploitive spirit for his own purposes. But rather such a humble devotee wants to utilize everything to reciprocate his love with Bhagavan Sri Krishna. Aham Saravasya Prabhavo Matasaravam Pravartite Iti Matva Bhajante Mambudha Bhava Samanvitaha. Krishna says in Gita that I am the source of everything, all the material worlds and everything within the material worlds. Krishna has created the sun, the moon, the air, the ocean, the water, the earth that we stand on. He has created our bodies, our minds, our brains. Everything we have is the gift of God. And beyond this world, Krishna says, I am the source of everything in all spiritual worlds. Everything emanates from me. The wise man who knows this perfectly engages in my loving devotional service and worships me with all their hearts. This is the definition of wisdom. To worship Krishna with all our hearts. Seeing everything as a gift of God. Not only the good, but even the bad. Even the calamities and disturbances. 
Queen Kunti has taught us such a good lesson in this regard. What she went through, we cannot even comprehend what to speak of live through. And she was ever grateful to Krishna. Queen Kunti was praying, let these calamities, let these hardships, let these difficulties come into my life again and again and again, because in such difficult situations of life, I become nearer and dearer to you, my Lord. I have no one else to turn to, nowhere else to go, but the shelter of your beautiful lotus feet. Those feet which can give one shade and relief from the scorching heat of material existence. This is the goal of life, to learn how to be conscious with a grateful, thankful, and devoted heart to Krishna in every situation. The greatest loss is to forget Krishna. And the greatest gain is to remember Krishna. The losses and the gains of the things of this world really have no significance. They're meaningless. You're going to lose it today or tomorrow. Whatever you have materially, it's not a question of can I keep it or not. You must lose it. It's just a question of when. The best you could do in this world on the material platform and maintain what you have until tomorrow. Then it's gone. Kamala dala jala jivanatalamala. Like a drop of water appears on a lotus flower for a moment and then it slips away. That is the nature of everything of this world. And yet the ignorant soul is dedicating his entire precious human life simply for that. Simply to try to keep the drop of water on the lotus leaf. That's the whole life of an ordinary man. For those of you who have seen a lotus leaf, it's very slippery. And when water goes on it and turns into a little ball and it's always just ready to fall off. And it's a jugglery to try to keep it on, like this. And this is our whole life. That's all we're doing. We're just like trying to keep this little, trying to keep things adjusted, keep things together, keep our business, keep our family, keep our health, keep our wealth. But sooner or later, it's gone. And what do you have? Nothing. You're dead. You lose everything. And even before death, we lose most everything. In old age, we lose practically every, all the power we have to enjoy whatever we have. People work like asses, foaming at the mouth, trying to have some security, thinking when I'm old, then I'll have so much nice things. Now that I'm young, I just have to keep working. By the time they're old, they have so many nice things, but they can't even enjoy it. Their limbs are aching. Their teeth have fallen out. They can't eat any nice food anymore. Their minds are in anxiety. 
They know that death is around the corner. This is how Maya steals away our lives with so many false promises. Everyone is thinking that I am this body and everything in relationship to this body is mine. My nation, my family, my wealth, my power, my intelligence, my PhD. Whatever we have, it is Krishna's. What to speak? Even the great demigods like Indra and Brahma. What is our significance compared to Indra? Brahma, he's the creator of all the planets and all the species of life in this world, in the whole universe. If we create something, we're very proud. Huh. Just like a child draws a picture and brings it home. Mommy, look, I have drawn this nice picture. Oh, you are so great, you have drawn this picture. Huh? And in this way, the ego starts when you're like that. When you're a little baby, if you could say something, you're so proud. Oh, I have said something. Oh, you are so great, you have said something. And then a few years later, your parents are telling you, why don't you shut up? <laughs> and when a child first learns to walk, everyone's so proud. Oh, he's walking, he's walking, wonderful. This is like so great, you're so great, you're walking. And the child's going, yes, I'm the greatest, I'm walking. And a few years later, the child wants the teenagers go out. Why don't you stay home? Why are you always walking? <laughs> huh? This is the nature of this world. We create something. We do something. We become very proud, think I'm very great. But what have we done compared to Brahma? But when Brahma saw the great opulence of Krishna, after he stole all the cows, herd boys, and all the calves, he came back and offered his obeisances to Krishna and said, I am in such illusion. You are the great creator of everything. You are the supreme personality of Godhead. In the darkness of ignorance, a firefly thinks that he's very bright. In the night, a firefly thinks, I am lighting up the whole universe with his tail. Huh? But when the sun rises, he realizes, I'm nothing. When we're ignorant of God, we think we are so great. But in the presence of Krishna, we are like a firefly before the sun. We are insignificant. We are nothing. And if Brahma is saying that, what is our position? After Indra took the great Samvartaka clouds, which destroy the whole earth at the time of after Amanu, the devastation, Can anyone on earth destroy the whole planet? Nobody. Even with all their bombs, they cannot destroy this planet. But Indra, simply by his order, at the time of the deluge, he destroys all life on earth. Not only on earth, but in the lower planets too. And he sent all those clouds to Vrindavan to destroy it. 
and Sri Giridhari, Lord Sri Krishna, with little finger of left hand, he held up the Govardhan hill and saved everyone. And when Indra saw this, he came down and said, I am so proud and thinking I am the king of heaven. You are the source of all my strength. You are the source of all my greatness. You are my master eternally. I surrender to you. If even great demigods and even the mighty-armed Arjuna recognizes this, what is our position? That prasanatma, the real joy of the soul, is to not hanker for anything or lament for anything of this world, but to simply be engaged in one's nature, one's spiritual nature, of rendering loving service to Krishna with whatever we have, whatever we can do, whether we are warrior, whether we are businessman, whether we are doctor, whether we are uh, farmer, whether we are sannyasi or brahmachari, whether we are video cameraman, ah, cook, housewife, mother, student, whatever we are, do it for Krishna. Yat karoshi rashnasi yajdu hoshi dadasi yat yat tapasya sikonte yat tatturushu madarapanam Krishna says Yat karoshi rashnasi yajdu hoshi dadasi yat yat tapasya sikonte yat tatturushu madarapanam Krishna says his order All that you do, all that you eat, all that you offer and give away should be done as an offering of love to me Arjuna, when he felt the absence of Krishna, seeing Krishna had left this earth, everything around became void, null. Not only that, but all Arjuna's qualifications, all of his powers, all of his greatness, Krishna had no more use for them, so he took them away from Arjuna. Arjuna served his purpose in the service of the Lord. Krishna needed no longer to keep him in such a powerful condition, so he took it all away. Arjuna, on every single level of life, was totally bereft after Krishna left. And in this condition, it describes he was trembling. He could hardly breathe. He was in so much lamentation. Tears were flowing from his eyes. But then, a miraculous thing took place. He began to remember the instructions that Krishna spoke on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. He remembered the sacred teachings of the Bhagavad Gita, the song of the Lord, Sri Krishna. And upon hearing those instructions, he felt the presence of Krishna as much as if Krishna was standing before him. And Arjuna is here explaining to Yudhisthira, now that I am remembering the wonderful pure instructions, the merciful instructions of the lotus-eyed Lord of my life, I have regained composure. All my strength has come back. 
My mind is filled with peace. My heart is again filled with love. Krishna is non-different than his name. Krishna is non-different than the words that he speaks. By remembering the Bhagavad Gita, by hearing the pastimes of the Lord from Srimad Bhagavatam, by chanting the names of the Lord, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, we find ourselves directly in the divine presence of Lord Hari. Of this there is no doubt. Nama Chintamani Krishna's Chaitanya Ras Vigraha. That Krishna is non different than his name. He's non different than the message he speaks. When we hear the Bhagavatam, when we hear the Gita, we should not think that we are reading something that is like a literature of this world. God is speaking to you through every word directly to your heart to give you solace and direction. In fact, one great literary genius of America, Thoreau, as well as Emerson, they were students of the Gita. And they explain that in every situation of life, whatever it may be, however difficult things become, when we read the pages of Gita, it is like the Lord himself, like an entire empire, is manifesting before us, the spiritual world. And Mahatma Gandhi said, in the most terrible circumstances of life, one can find the ultimate peace by remembering the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita. Because Krishna is non different than that sound vibration. And if we hear the Gita, we hear the Bhagavatam, and we chant the holy names in the presence of those great souls who are surrendering their lives in the loving service of the Lord, then in the most superlative manner, Krishna reveals himself to our heart. Therefore, through this instruction of Arjuna, we can know that the shelter of the lotus feet of Krishna is as much available today as it was 5,000 years ago when Arjuna was sitting beside Krishna on his chariot. If we simply with a submissive heart and a sincere desire, we take shelter of Krishna's divine words and we learn to take shelter of his holy name. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. There is nothing to fear in this world when we are in the presence of Krishna. It is explained in the Shastra that fear personified is afraid of Krishna. And that Krishna appears within the sound of his name. 
As long as we learn to take shelter of Krishna's name, no fear can overcome us. No suffering. can disturb our minds. Krishna says in Gita, one who is illumined within, one who rejoices within, one who finds all pleasure within, he is a real man of wisdom. And the holy name brings us to that sacred abode of the Lord that is within our very hearts. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. Thank you very much. It takes rebirth once every day of Lord Brahma in his original personal form. That means once every 8,640,000,000 years, Krishna appears. So yes, he will take birth again in this universe at that time, in his original form. As far as his various expansions and incarnations, He appears, and the next, according to the scripture, the next incarnation that will appear of Lord Krishna directly is Kalki Avatar, who appears at the end of the age of Kali, which is 427,000 years from now. But it is also explained in the Shastra. Kali Kale Namarupe Krishna Avatar. That Krishna has advented within the sound of his name in this age of Kali Yuga. And therefore, whenever a devotee sincerely chants the name of the Lord, the Lord appears. Krishna never takes birth, he simply appears. Krishna is unborn. Ahambija Pratapita. He is the Supreme Father of all that exists. Krishna is never born. He appears to be born, but that is his pastime. Just like early in the morning, the sun appears to be born in the eastern horizon. But is the sun born every morning? In truth, the sun is always existing. But the sun is appearing to our vision at that particular time, in that particular place. So Krishna, like the sun, appeared within the womb of Devaki, in the prison cell of Mathura. He was not born. And in the same way, Krishna has promised, and all the great acharyas, in all the great Vedic literatures, in fact, all the great scriptures of the world declare that God is non different than his name. Whenever the devotees come together to chant his name, Krishna appears. 
छात्र तिष्ठमि नारद यत्र गायन्ति मद भक्ता कृष्ण टोल्ड नारद मुनि दैट यू विल नॉट फाइंड मी अपीयरिंग इन द हाई हिमालयस व्हेयर द योगीज आर परफॉर्मिंग तपस्या यू विल नॉट फाइंड मी व्हेयर द कारमकांदीज आर परफॉर्मिंग ग्रेट 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 सैक्रिफाइसेस टू अपीज द हेवेनली गॉड्स यू विल नॉट फाइंड मी मैनिफेस्टिंग माइसेल्फ even in the great educational institutions where the pundits and the gyanis are studying the scriptures wherever two or more of my devotees come together to chant my holy name i'm most pleased to appear there at that place so yes krishna is in our hearts and krishna is also in the sky krishna is everywhere just like the sun is in one place but the rays of the sun extend everywhere so similarly krishna has his eternal abode but by his diversified energies he is present everywhere in and everything and whenever we sincerely call out his name in the association of sincere devotees krishna takes birth he reveals himself within our hearts children and he was suffering like anything working so hard but he was thinking but my pleasure is i'm leaving it all for my children and then he died everyone has to die there's one thing that's sure about life is that you will die so he died <laughs> and he took birth across the street from his home in the family of very very poor peasants but he was so attached to his family and he was so attached to the home that he built for them and all the facilities he gave them he could remember in his new birth <laughs> his previous life so when he would see his children who were then grown up men and he would see the beautiful estate and the garden that he personally developed he would just it would just fill him with joy and he decided i want to go in and meet my children and enjoy with them so he went in the gate when some of the children came to who are you a peasant said i your father your my father what nonsense they picked up shoes and began to beat him on the head he said if you ever come back you will not even have breath to breathe rascal then he began to think what did i do i gave my whole life 
for them. <laughs> ah. Srila Prabhupada liked that story. We should also like that story because it, it is very revealing. If you actually love your family, give them something that they could take with them. If you actually love your family, give them love of God, the treasure that will never perish. We're working like asses and we ran to raise our family to be asses just like us. Namam Duskritinor Mudha. Are we the body or are we the soul? Is my wife, is my child, are they a body or a soul? What am I doing for the jivatma, the soul of my child? Even the animals supply a nice nest to sleep and nice worms to eat or food. What are we doing for the soul of my child? The soul is starving for love of God. If we don't give them that, it's like, it's like polishing the birdcage but giving nothing to the bird. Human civilization is based on this principle. So real love is to give Krishna. That is the imperishable wealth that will give joy, everlasting joy to the ones we love. Thank you very much, Hare Krishna.